everybody. Welcome back to Undesign the Grind. I am really excited today because I have a very special person here to talk to all of you about um, their practice uh, and something that really helped me as I was trying to heal from a bunch of, you know, stress-related health issues. So I want to introduce you to my functional neurologist, Dr. Carla. And I am not even going to attempt to pronounce her last name. I'll let her do that properly. But um, Carlos, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for being here. Um, and maybe we could just start with just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Yes. Hello, Dr. Carla Mellenbacher. I know the last name looks intimidating, <laughs> um, but the silent H's. Um, but yeah, I am a chiropractor and I have my diplomate in neurology and then I have two fellowships. One is in mild traumatic brain injury and vestibular rehab and the other is in childhood neurodevelopmental disorders. So I always kind of wanted to be a pediatrician and I got sick myself in college. So it was kind of young enough to still figure out what I wanted to do with my career. Uh, and it kind of took me towards more of a functional direction just based off of my own health journey. Uh, that's interesting. I would think like being a neurologist might be even more taxing than being a pediatrician. What did you find really appealed to you about functional neurology? It was actually the kids. I um, started with, well, my health journey was a little separate, but the kids are was, was one of my first jobs. Mm -hmm. I worked at a motor sensory rehab center. So it was really a place for kids with developmental delay, but they mostly focused on motor sensory rehab, kind of like OTPT type of activity. And I was just so blown away by how much of a difference just movement did for their academics and their life. And uh, that just started my whole new way of thinking about like, oh, so there's so many, there's other things you can do besides medication. Like, um, and then on a personal level, I also had positional orthostatic tachycardia. That was a part of my journey. So I had a form of dysautonomia. And if, if people don't know what that is, it's basically like the part of our nervous system that controls where we push blood flow. Um, oh, so okay. that, that's what kind of got me into it on a personal level um, of figuring out like, why is this happening to me? Um, you know, what, what can we do to rehab this? So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's always come back to the kids though. I, I love watching kids be able to change so quickly and their ability to create neuroplasticity is so amazing that um, it's always a passion of mine to go back to the kids, but I do work with, with both kids and adults now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I didn't know that you had, I think you had told me before, but I've forgotten you had gone through your own health journey that kind of led you to this. And I think that's really um, common for a lot of people that are listening is we learn when something happens to us and then we start researching and trying to figure it out. So it was that the first time you had learned about functional medicine was trying to heal yourself? Yes, definitely. I had no idea. I It all kind of started with my thyroid. Um, okay. So... I went through the traditional route with that, with you know, they had, took half my thyroid out, took my tonsils out, um, didn't really have any answers still. And it wasn't until, you know, many years later that some, a functional medicine provider was like, have you ever tested yourself for chronic infections? And I was like, no, <laughs> you know, so it was not a linear journey. It was definitely like me continuing to do research and ask around and just not accept the fact that I was just broken at such an early young age. Oh man, that's bumpy. Um, yeah. what, what was your experience with functional medicine? Like what were your, what were your thoughts on it and how did it help you or, or not help you maybe? Yeah, it's a great question because I think back then, even, I think it was still even way more new than it. I think a lot of people think it feels now. It still feels new now, but this was back in, 2009 and I initially went to he was a medical neurologist and he wrote me a bunch of prescriptions for antibiotics to treat these chronic infections so I still even though it was kind of a functional medicine way of looking at it I was still being treated in a western way mm -hmm. um it, it destroyed my gut it, it you know things def you know how they say things get worse before they get better when you are trying to 
kill chronic infections. Um, mm -hmm. So it was late, much later than even after that, that I found more like herbal remedies and supplements. And even then it still felt like I was like fighting against myself, you know, like, but even though both are, they're kind of both still saying like, something is inside of you that we need to kill. <laughs> they just have different ways of doing it, you know? Um, and then yeah. the neurology side, the neurology side is really where I started to be like, well, this, this feels just true to me, it, you know, making my nervous system feel safe, making my nervous system heal on its own is what really like resonated with me the most. That that's exactly what I loved so much about finding you and your practice um, was just learning about nervous system regulation. I use it every day now and it's made such a difference. I love that. Did you, yeah. what are, what do you do every day? I'm curious. Um, I do, I probably do meditation like three to five times a day. I do, um, you know, mindful eating, mindful walks. I do, um, you know, the, the tapping around your head and, um, neck to calm you down. I do, I got an entire bed that vibrates, uh, for oh, like vagal stimulation. I use it all the time. And it just like, just those little things, um, mm -hmm. that I think generally now would be called like marketed as self-care i'm finding things that actually really make a difference for my energy levels and how i'm feeling mm -hmm. yeah there's it's it seems like such subtle things but it's huge to your healing process yeah yeah okay well tell for the audience here and, and anyone for me because i've I've gone to regular neurologists and now I go to functional neurologists, um, you, um, what, but what's the real difference between functional versus just a regular neurologist? Yeah, I, it's a great question. I, medical neurology is the, you know, life or death situation diagnosis. They're great at diagnosing and making sure that nothing severe might be the case that needs to be addressed. Um, that the difference is from my perspective is that you're not actually getting a functional perspective of what might be going on. You're looking at hard lesions, meaning like a stroke or maybe a scar tissue or actual brain damage, um, things that are maybe a more ablative lesions. Mm -hmm. And a good example of this is like an autistic brain clearly has things that are different than a neurotypical brain, but on an MRI, they look the exact same. Oh, and really? so that's kind of, mm -hmm, yeah. So that's kind of been a big conversation and neurology is like, well, you, when you look at it on an image, unless there's like a stroke or a bleed or something big, you're, you don't always see it necessarily. Yeah. And you could have symptoms, but then you look at the image and you're like, well, but, I, you, the image doesn't match your symptoms. I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong. Or like, say you're getting seizures. Well, we can diagnose that you're getting seizures. But when we say like, where is this coming from specifically? Sometimes it, it's, that's a functional answer versus being able to see it clearly mm -hmm. and having, you know, so I would say that medical neurology is where I would even refer to if someone did have something more severe going on, and then when all of that is cleared and we know that there's nothing life-threatening in that way, then functional neurology is where we can really look at like, okay, what's functionally happening? And then is there something that we can do to play with the nervous system and like using the systems that we know and saying, is this system functioning the way we want? And if not, what do we know feeds into this area and can we improve or change the output of that system? Um, so it's, it's more looking at it in systems versus, you know, one full big picture and, and knowing how they all kind of work as a team together, just like the engineering of the body kind of. That was, um, I think the very first time I met you, you went through this whole, and, and I'll put it off till later, but I have to say like, hearing you talk to me about a whole systems approach versus what I had heard up to that point, which is exactly what you're saying. Like, this is what I see on your MRI. This is what we can do. And now we're done. Um, it felt like finding such um, 
I don't know, like a lifeline, like being like, yeah, I'm more than my brain picture. I have a feeling that like there's other things going on, um, but nobody really, I don't know who to ask to like test these things or even like what to look at. And I think for me, functional neurology really like had so many different ways of looking at the whole picture that, that helped me find a better story and understanding of my own body. Right. And then when you take something that might affect another system, like a medication, for example, might be helping the system you're trying to help, but then it affects, it might have a negative effect in the <laughs> yeah. other system. So it's like, if we, so complicated. Exactly. So if we, if we do anything as like a blanket treatment in that way of looking at it, then we, we're not optimizing, right? Well, Cause then there's always like a, an effect. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, really just getting like, okay, what's going to be, the biggest priority for this person. And then maybe, maybe that's looking at it in a different way than just giving them one big thing. So I don't know if it's a unique aspect to your practice or if this is how functional practitioners always work, but you also work like in the same office with a functional doctor and a nutritionist and um, a therapist. And you all look at things in a functional light. Is that the the modus operandi for functional medicine or if somebody's looking for a functional neurologist they might only find a neurologist and then have to find other um practitioners to look at the other things that is a great question i would say it's a mix some people just do more of like the neurosomatic pt exercises like vestibular ocular training neuromuscular training, biofeedback, and then some people do blend it and either they themselves do the functional medicine side where they look at labs or they have Mm. someone in their team. So it is kind of a mix of who does what. I think it's more of just a preference on what providers, but because of just the experience I've had now, it's kind of, it's impossible to not look at both aspects. You know, you, I don't think you're really getting the whole picture unless you're even knowing like, especially for adults, the more they've had stuff, the years and years of things that could have happened. No, just even getting a basic blood panel is nice to say, okay, what's going on chemically? Is there anything with the immune system that's contributing here versus never even looking at that? So yeah, we, we definitely look at both perspectives at, at our clinic and I joined them for that reason, because I know it's so important and it's, another huge piece of the puzzle, but I don't necessarily, you know, want to be the, you know, they're more trained in it and, and mm-hmm. it's just so much better when, when we can all stay in our lane and help the patient from, from all of our perspectives. Yeah. I felt like so taken care of with your team because I, I would come and see you for an appointment and then I knew you, I would leave and you were immediately walking into the functional doctor's office and being like, Hey, here's what I just, um, you know, talked about with Jennifer, what do you think about it? And then she would get back to me and be like, Hey, so I, you know, we were going to do these meds or these therapies, but let's change that a little bit based on what Carla has said um, so that it's all working together. And that was just an entirely different approach to medicine and doctors for me. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me happy. I mean, it was Lauren, Jana and I's dream. That's why we all kind of joined together um, and joined Alive and Well for this reason, because we we all feel the same. Like this is how we can really help people and support people if if we if we have a team approach. You know, just like if we're coming at the body as a as a system way of looking at it, we can also treat it as a system way of looking at it and have everyone be involved and show their perspective. I did not know you guys knew each other before all joining Alive and Well. That is really cool. Yeah. Well, I had met, I have known Lauren, Lauren introduced me to Jana, but yeah, we, she, Lauren's the reason I'm there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. I love it. I'm really happy to hear that. I'm glad you found like something you're really passionate about and that like, you feel like you're really helping other people because you are, you definitely are. Yeah. And not having to be the, business where the business had on top of it has been really nice <laughs> pretty luxurious right yeah <laughs> yes okay so for the people listening who are like sounds interesting um what 
What kinds of things, uh, you know, complaints or issues cause people to come see someone like you? What are, what are the characteristics of like the symptoms that they might be like, ah, functional neurologist could help? Yeah, I have a big category of basically three three big camps of people. One is concussions see me often. Um, and that symptom-wise can be people with vertigo or dizziness and balance issues, um, people that are getting motion sick or um, even physical injury from, from concussion as well with cranials. Um, some things can go on with the vestibular ocular system. So people actually like maybe be seeing double or they're light sensitive, sound sensitive. Um, that's a big category of people I see. I work a lot with childhood development, like I said. So a lot of kids that are um, maybe their parents are not quite wanting to put them on a medication, but looking for other solutions for things like ADHD, um, you know, outbursts, being able to self-regulate, um, even even down to things like bedwetting and being mm -hmm. able to hold a pencil correctly, um, fine motor skills. So those are big, those are the big main categories of people that come to see me, but I also will still see people like the chronic pain, migraine, you know, movement disorder, even dystonia type behaviors. So a lot of people that have more of a functional neurological thing that kind of can come and go, or it can be triggered, or, you know, it's kind of like, whenever I do this thing, it happens. And so they, they know that it's functionally induced issue. Um, mm -hmm. And so we can kind of give it more support when we, when we can like really get specific with it. Yeah. How, how many of the people coming in to you are complaining about exhaustion, burnout, lack of focus, things that we all relate to like side effects of workaholism or grind culture? Yeah. I mean, everyone, I feel like, I think that's <laughs> common. The, you know, whenever people come to see me, I always go through all of the symptoms and almost every single one of them will put the anxiety on there at this point. It's very rare that I don't see someone put that on there. Um, so cool? yeah, I would pretty much everyone and, and it goes hand in hand with injury, right? When, when you're in like a survival <laughs> challenge date, right? Yeah. Do you think that that's increased over the years or has that just been a constant since you became a functional neurologist? That's a great question. I've actually had this conversation with some very high end people about that whole, like, are we going too far? Um, so there's two ways I look at it. I do think that we are overwhelmed and burnout more than we used to. And I think technology is, plays a part in that, but the double-edged sword of it is that the only reason we've advanced to this level of technology is because we've created such a safety and community. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of like the pendulum is now swinging a little bit because of it, but that's where hmm. I go back to. I think I've told you in the past, but the only reason we have a nervous system is because we move. So if you think about movement, the highest form of motor control is to say, how can I do that thing using the least amount of energy? Mm -hmm. So sometimes, sometimes that's just looking at it. Sometimes that's just thinking about it, right? I'm saving energy to think about the, doing the thing. And how do we be able to do that? We, we're able to do that because we can tune out our environment and focus on the thing in front of us. I have enough safety in my nervous system to be able to use energy this way instead of wasting energy on looking at my safety. And so because we have each other, we've been able to advance to a point of having technology, but now that we are in this, we're almost going backwards and now we have less connection and less feeling of safety. So it's kind of like, that's why I said it. I think look at it at two perspectives. It's like the pendulum swung back almost. Oh, that's interesting. What about the pandemic? Do you think that has increased these symptoms? Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, this has even statistically been, they're even showing it with CDC numbers. Um, I don't even think we have a fraction of the data of what has come out, but yeah, the statistics that I've seen are, you know, exponential rise in anxiety, suicide, 
Um, even just therapy hotlines, they say have in just in Austin, uh, they say it rose like 400% people oh reaching out to wow. hotlines. Yeah. So I don't know the exact numbers as far as like real diagnosis, but I know that it's risen and, and same even with childhood developmental disorders, they're rising exponentially. Um, mm-hmm. Even, even things like, you know, asthma, ADHD, they're all rising in diagnosis. Do you think um, this, I, I think it's even harder for people in medical roles uh, to be learning how to deal with this when they're, you know, they've been put through so much stress through the pandemic. Do you, have you, do you see that in your own medical community that medical practitioners themselves are experiencing a lot more of this? Oh yeah. This is something we talk about a lot actually and how anyone in the service industry really, I think, but especially healthcare are you do get burnout because it's, you know, you, you do feel fulfilled. I think, I think even I hear from other people, I don't know if it's true, but people that maybe work in tech or sales or something don't feel fulfilled necessarily, but they pay the bills. So they're satisfied. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the opposite in healthcare. It's like they're fulfilled that they're helping people, but they're burnt out and out of resources and tired and stressed. And your nervous system is constantly on go. Um, So yeah, I do think that there's a burnout rate as far as, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, as far as the pandemic goes, even more so because there was such a sense of survival and safety, especially with healthcare workers, because not only mm-hmm. did they have to um, risk their lives even more, they also had to make every make sure everyone else felt better, right? So yeah. there, there was like so many factors of their immune system and nervous system just getting beat down and down, so that they just become you know, more in that freeze state and shut off state. I think in addition to it, I think there's also like um, a stigma for doctors to be going to see other doctors and concerned that, you know, like when I got sick, I wasn't real eager to be open with coworkers and um, my company about that because I thought I'm going to be judged. They're going to think I can't do my job. Is that even harder for doctors because I don't they're going think to micro workers for help. I don't not, at least not in my community of people, maybe in other circles, but I, I think we're all very supportive of each other. At least I'm grateful for the people in my life and that I can reach out to. And you know, we all like you had said in the very beginning, we all kind of have something that brings us into this world and we're in this field for a reason from our own health stuff. So we all kind of know that we all have stuff mm-hmm. are personally going on. Um, and we can all empathize with each other in that way. So, yeah, I would actually say that I feel very supported by a lot of them and that I can reach out and ask a, a question openly and where it's pretty mutual, at least within my circle of people. That's great. I'm really happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. How about men versus women? Do you see different reactions um, to stress in, in how you're treating them? Yes, the male versus female brain perspective is a great conversation. Um, there's a lot of general or generalization about it, but if to oversimplify a complicated thing, um, there is some disbalances in male brains versus female brains. Um, and that's for good reason in general. And like I said, I'm overgeneralizing, but just to get people to kind of get a big picture women have more balanced hemispheres and very balanced brains. Um, Mm -hmm. Women are actually the standard human, right? We all start out female as a female nervous Mm -hmm. system. Um, And then to be able to become into a male, it takes very special chemical um, reactions. So the female brain is pretty standard and then male brains actually can be designed in that way. And that's why they can do things very efficiently using little energy, right? Men, men can use more motor function. Um, they can focus in on something and doing it, doing it very effectively, mm. which is the good, that's the good thing, right? But it's also why they can get fixated into things 
as well. And especially in a motor pattern way. So like tics, OCD, ADHD. Um, So it's really that like inability to stop, right? That like, Mm. can't stop, can't stop, can't stop, can't stop. And this isn't isolated to men, by the way. Women can certainly have this, but this is more common in men because of these, this is theoretical, right? Like we're still looking into all of this, but because of this disbalance, which again is for a good reason because men are able to use energy more efficiently, but they also can be tipped into this pattern more sensitively than women because of that. And women on the other end have more chemical and immune stuff because they grow babies and have the cycle and and there's more, there's more chemical sensitivity with women. So there's pros and cons to both. Right. But Mm -hmm. as far as nervous system issues, men are actually more likely to get more of those um, inability to stop patterns than women. And then women are more likely to have the chronic pain type immune reactions. Is it different as we age too, like what you see from people in their 20s versus people in their 50s? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, because hormones play a role in that. Your environment plays a role in that. Um, But as far as that whole OCD, ADHD type pattern, is that what you're asking? Just in general, uh, you know, you talked about three different uh, categories that you generally treat, like and I, I'm oh. particularly interested in for this podcast, like stress related fatigue. Um, how do do you see differences in that by different mm-hmm. generations coming through or different age groups? No, honestly, I see it throughout. It mm-hmm. equally, it depends on it depends on their life and their family and their environment. I've seen I've seen adults, you know, middle aged experiencing it to five-year-olds experiencing it to 70-year-olds experiencing it. It really is individual to the person and what's going on in their life. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. You've, you've said the word safety a couple of times. And I, this was a big realization to me um, when I started working with you and I thought maybe this would be a good time to talk about what stress does to our brains um, and have you explain the pyramid to us. Yeah. So you're talking about the polyvagal theory, the, the like pyramid of safety. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a theory created by Stephen Porch who really, this all came about like in the nineties. So it's still a fairly new concept for neuroscience. Um, but basically what he described is that there's actually, instead of looking at this classic paradigm that we've been taught of, you're either in fight or flight sympathetic or you're in rest, digest, parasympathetic. And we kind of, even I was taught that in school, like you're either in a rest state or you're in a relaxed state or a stress state or a relaxed state. Um, you know, and you can't really be one or the other, but he kind of brought this new layer to it on. It's actually kind of like a scale of safety. So the top of the scale of safety as a human is really from the neck up and that's our social engagement system. So this is where we feel safe initially. Our first line of safety is with my tribe. Do I feel connected? Do I have good relationships? Do I feel safe with my people? And this also includes the other parts of our head, like sound, light, movement, being able to perceive our environment. So, so much of our first sense of safety is just like assessing the environment from my head. Mm -hmm. And that includes my relationships. And that also includes my meaning to life. Mm -hmm. And then... The second layer, once that, let's say that something in that didn't go well and I don't feel safe, like it could even just be that you got in a fight with someone or say you're you're super light sensitive and sounds are bothering you, right? So now you're in the second phase of safety, which is that sympathetic phase. And this is what a lot of people talk about when they talk about anxiety or that fight or flight system. Like you, feel, you almost feel like you need to move because it's really, it's literally your nervous system saying like move and get out of the situation. Uh, so mm-hmm. we pump blood to our limbs, right? We get that tension in our mid back. We grind our teeth. We get the eye twitch, and that's all systems that are connected to that sympathetic system. Um, this is where people can get primitive reflexes or mo- primitive movements, meaning that they're wasting energy uh, when they didn't need to, right? So, like if a sound happens, did you just look at it or did you move your whole body to look mm-hmm. at it, right? You're wasting 
So we can be wasting energy when we're in that state. And then the third and final layer of, of this phase is where you actually will shut off and disassociate. So let's say, let's say you can't mobilize out of the situation and movement doesn't help, which is common with kids, right? They can't get out of a situation typically. So you will, that's where if you've ever held, seen like someone held gunpoint and they pee themselves, you literally just actually shut off. And this happens in milliseconds and then we recover. Um, if you've ever walked up to a lizard, you'll see how they just like freeze. Mm-hmm. That's actually what's happening to us and our nervous system also. And it happens in our gut. So it's basically like the diaphragm and below. So if you've ever had something like really shocking happen and you're just like this pit in your stomach and almost like you can't eat, you know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but where you're just like, you literally feel this knot in your stomach. Mm-hmm. That is that like shut off system. And in an acute state, that's okay. Right. When normally the, the ideal situation is that that's not happening all the time. That's just an isolated situation. We recover and we can heal. But when something like that happens all the time, more chronically, or someone's in a state where they're in a shut off state in a chronic way, like daily for, for a while, or if you're a kid and you don't have the ability to get your way out of it, then we start to see where you reach that like shut off disassociation phase. And that's where the immune system can actually get involved. You can actually get leaky gut, um, hormone issues, right? So your body is just Mm -hmm. now in that like below the diaphragm phase. Um, And so looking at it from that way, we can say like, okay, where are we at on your, is your safety system feeling good? Or is it, is there kind of stuff going on in all of the different sections, right? So we can do a lot to, feed the nervous system a different input when we know kind of where each person is at and you don't have to live in that way as long as you can get to the bottom of why your nervous system is in that state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that's so interesting. And and that's why I was, um, I was definitely surprised and then it, and then over time began to understand why all these little nervous system regulation uh, practices help uh, mm-hmm. because it gets so real. And it's not just like, it's not just meditation and you're taking care of your brain. It's also, you know, regulating your heart rate and your, your breath work. And then also your nutrition and like mm-hmm. fueling yourself, right. And, and getting movement into your life. So you're getting that energy working through your whole body. That right. was a big learning. Exactly. It's like listening to what your body's trying to tell you and responding to what it's telling you. So it's it, our body's just doing exactly what it was beautifully designed to do. It's, some of us don't really know what it's trying to tell us. You know, we just feel yeah. it, it, it can feel like, oh, my body's against me. Why is this happening? But really, it's trying to just talk to you and say, hey, this is really happening. Can you help me out? And and it's just knowing the tools to help that we're not taught, you know, it's, so it's, it's not easy to just navigate, but then once you kind of get like how it all fits together, then you can go through those different things that, you know, feed that part of the nervous system to keep refeeding that area. and being like, Hey, I am paying attention to you. We're going to integrate this. I'm going to give you what you need. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool to like build a relationship with your body and start to understand like, Oh, you're not feeling good or, Oh, you're tired and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I know how to like help you out. You start like being a buddy with yourself. And it, I think that's so fun. Exactly. It's empowering. And then you become your own doctor. You don't have to rely on someone outside of you, which yes. is my favorite part is I, I love teaching people and even hearing back from old patients. Like I figured out this on, on my own and I did this and I, it got, you know, they are the ones leading their own healing journey. And it just makes me so happy when I hear that feedback because they feel empowered enough to be able to confidently make decisions on their own with, with their health journey. Oh man, that is the best when you can sit in a doctor's office and they're telling you things and you can be like, no, that's not the right thing for me. Or these are the things that I need to do because I know this is what makes me physically feel better. Uh, so I'm not going to take those steroids or I know you're telling mm-hmm. me to be on bed rest, but I know movement is critical to this particular part yeah. of myself. I love. And I don't even, 
Right. And I don't, I don't even think that the Western medical way of looking at it is even against the functional perspective. I think they just don't do it, you know, so they don't, I don't ever get pushback normally. I've, I've literally never had, I think a lot of people may think that we're, you know, against each other, holistic and medical, but we actually have great conversations most of the time. And they're always typically like, yeah, do it. You know, like they just don't, they just never learned it from that perspective. Oh, uh, they, you know, awesome they, to hear. they were taught, yeah, they were taught drugs and surgery and, and they are keeping people alive and saving lives. And, but functionally optimization, they, they know they're limited, you know, like it's not like they're um, denying that. I think this is all, like I said, even just Stephen Porges concept on the science of safety came out in the nineties. And you'd think that that wasn't that long ago, you know? So like all of these concepts are really kind of new to, especially even a medical doctor that's been in practice for 30 years, he didn't learn that, you know? So it's like, these are, these are just new conversations I think that are coming out and we're bridging the gap between psychology and neurology Mm. and, and neurochemistry. And like, they're all kind of being able to be more collaborative instead of separate can't tell you how much I love that. Love that. (laughs) So let's, okay, let's say, um, let's make up a hypothetical patient so that you can tell everyone, like, here's what to expect. Here's what I'm going to look at first. And then here are the like different things we might do together. My hypothetical patient is, you know, your classic burnout. Like they are, they are downright exhausted. Their um, doctors are telling them that's just normal with age, um, but you're like, I don't know. This seems like more than that. They uh, they're having a hard time focusing and getting things done like they used to. Um, maybe they're having headaches. Like someone do you, like that comes to you. What do you do? Yeah, I first and foremost, and this is where my mentor taught me as well as getting a very thorough history on that person's life experiences. So all the way literally from infancy in utero to wherever they are now. Uh, so I can get a big picture on what were the things that maybe stood out that could have been an impact on what's happening now. Um, the symptoms beyond just burnout are typically things like, you know, maybe they have get headaches also, maybe they have poor sleep, Maybe they have some level of constipation or gut issues. Like most of the time people don't just have the one thing. So Mm -hmm. I go through a complete detail of symptoms and sometimes people are like, you know, I just was dealing with that, but yeah, that isn't, that is an annoying thing. Um, So the history is, I would say 80% of the picture, if I'm really honest Mm -hmm. and really looking at like, what, what is their diet? Like, what what was their life? Like, what are their relationships like? Um, And then as far as the nervous system side of testing, I will do a complete cognitive test. Um, I check balance and I check primitive reflexes, heart rate variability changes um, and certain motor functions to see, is there something that we might be getting a picture from the nervous system saying, Hey, I'm doing this reflex or this movement or my heart rate raises every time I move positions or, Um, maybe I'm very, you know, sensitive to motion and people walking by and, uh, it's overwhelming. So I will also put on goggles and record their eye movements to get really specific about that. Um, so we can see how their eyes are perceiving the environment. Um, if it's appropriate movement or if it's maybe, you know, not as optimal as it needs to be. And really looking at all of that assessment and saying, is there something in that the hierarchy that I mentioned before of the hierarchy of feeling that shut off as far as the autonomic nervous system goes, where are we within those systems? And are there any signs that we could support? Um, So for someone with burnout would probably maybe have some stuff going on in their gut and maybe something going on with their sympathetic system and then maybe something going on with their cranial nerves or, you know, the, the neck up concept. So mm-hmm. it's unique for everyone. And I, a lot, there are patterns, there are common patterns for people. Um, the burnt out one, the common patterns are more of the autonomic nervous system stuff. So 
Uh, just for whole, everyone here who doesn't know what that word means, can you? Yeah, yeah. The autonomic nervous system is that where we, where am I pushing blood? That that system that we said the si the science of safety the those three phases the pyramid. Mm -hmm. um, that's basically the autonomic nervous system. It's like where uh -huh. am I pushing blood? Um, and so we would when I, when I'm talking about someone with burnout, most of the time it's people that are in those three phases. Um, and so you can have symptoms in in every area of the pyramid. You can, yeah. Sometimes when people do have that going on, where they have something going on in in a, all sections, I always say we'll start with the microbiome first, yeah. just be able to get the neurochemistry more settled, and then we can go up to more motor function. Then we can go up to the relationships and connection part, because you know it's not going to be you know jump straight to the most challenging thing for everyone. Sometimes it's starting at the lowest thing and then build up. Yeah. For some people though, for some people though, it might be that it is a relationship thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes I bring, I bring this up and as soon as I say it, I've had someone be like, I just know I need to quit my job. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't oh even gosh. have to say, it. but it's like, they, they know though, you know, it's like when you really, and it, that's because, she was already at that different layer of safety, right? She, she was at that higher, you know, head up layer of safety. So for everyone, it is different. Sometimes we are, it is more on that like top of the pyramid way. Sometimes the more chronic things are, the more deep things are, the, you know, the more the immune system is involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember, um, yes, we did like an hour and a half background history. And that mm -hmm. was more than any other doctor had done with me. And I, I was really glad that I brought my partner with me to that because, you know, they, they see things and think of things that I was definitely like, that's not worth paying attention to just from my own upbringing, like your head hurts, whatever, or, you know, you have this weird head twitch that you never notice or do anything about whatever, but you were able to like, kind of, get all, all of that information out of me, which, and then the first step that we did ended up being gut stuff, which shocked me. It's like, this is, this is a neurologist. I don't know what to expect, but I, I do think it's going to be something in my head. Uh, and then we probably spent maybe two or three months, like trying to get my gut healthier before we moved on. Right. Yeah. And what did, do you want to share your Experience you, yeah, we with the absolutely using as a case study and put it into context. Well, yeah, just the, as far as the three phases, um, maybe if you could say, as just with keeping with that burnout theme, mm -hmm. what what did you notice finally got you through that feeling? Well, okay, so we started with the gut stuff, which I wouldn't have even brought up with a doctor, which was the fact that like I was having extreme like stomach pain every single time I ate food. So my solution was don't eat food. Um, so that once I like shared that, then we started getting into like, I think I ended up doing um, the kind of like a version of the elimination diet. Like, let's just get back to like core whole foods as clean as basic as possible and see if we can get you eating that and not getting sick and then do a little bit more gradually over time. Um, I worked with Lauren on like some different supplements. And at the same time, you were looking at the medications I was on for stroke and seizure and being like, these these supplements will or won't work together with that well, which was really comforting to know that I was getting the full picture. Um, mm -hmm. So it took a little while, but my stomach started feeling better. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember eating. Eating was kind of nice when you can do it and fun and starting to get the nutrition I needed. And then we started, if I remember it right, um, I think we started doing like actual treatments. In the meantime, you had been doing, putting the goggles on me, which is kind of like, it's like a VR headset almost, like you're in this black, just goggled room and you look at some dots on a video screen and, and you're telling me to like, just, you know, look at the, each dot as it appears in different areas on the screen. Um, and we found out some interesting stuff through that. And then 
and then we started, I would think I was coming in like maybe once every week, every other week. And, and then the treatments, I was like, what is, there's like, there's essential oils, there's big vibrating machines. There's like just all kinds of things that I had never seen before. Um, but that, that I have now incorporated into like, uh, this is how I feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I know. I, I always, um, people always are like, what is the actual, what is the actual treatment? What is the tools? And I always say, well, nothing that I do is unique to like what I created or like a unique therapy. It's just knowing which nerves and which pathways are where, and then what different things we could feed that. Right. So like, you know, this is why abdominal massage could be done with vibration or your hands or whatever. But the whole point is that we're just, we're getting to the abdomen and there's different ways you can do everything. You can do acupuncture, you can do massage, but what is the, what is the nucleus and the pathway that you're targeting is kind of like the perspective of what the treatments are going to be for each person. Yeah. I, I think when you, so, so Carla has this like, you've seen like the big muscle vibrating massage things for like athletes. It's like that, but it's like on steroids and she puts it on your tummy, which you're like, no massage person ever touches my tummy. That's not something we do. And, and then you, you know, you're just kind of like slowly moving that around different areas of like your abdomen. And over time you're like, this is actually super calming, total shocker to me. Um, the fascial ones, like was a crazy one to me that really helped. And then just like the exercises you would have me do at home. Like, um, I'm trying to think of some of them. There was some box breathing stuff, but there was some other stuff I, I hadn't seen before. And also the, like the blood panels that you did and some of the other tests were much more extensive than what I had gotten from either a primary care or a specialist before. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really looking at all the systems. And that's why I love working with Lauren, too, because she's even better at looking at the systems on the chemical side. And together, we can really get more narrowed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people are at like the end of the day, they're like, okay, but what do I need to do just to feel better right now? And we know it's, it's probably a process and there's a bunch to like unravel and unpack and heal over time. But about what would you ask or answer someone who's like coming in with these kinds of symptoms? Like, when am I going to feel better? If I do all this, you know, regularly, when am I going to feel better? Yeah. Yeah. Sticking with the out burnout theme. Is that what you're mm-hmm. speaking with? Yeah. yeah. So I would say a real big, and this is really big picture, but I think that's easier for people to really take something home with is to look at those three sections and say, is there something in my relationships and connection that I just know is could be better or is affecting my stress? Um, is there a m- movement that I'm not doing or am I sitting around too long or am I sitting looking at a technology all day? Am I not spending time in nature, right? That's that middle section, right? The movement section. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the third one is like, am I, do I know that I'm putting the right things in my body? And that goes, you know, smoking, drinking, all the poor processed foods people are eating. So there's a lot of really general stuff that feed into the whole same system that Mm -hmm. I think everyone could back up and be like, yeah, I I know where I could work on some things. And Mm -hmm. I know that it doesn't actually even need to cost me any money to make some adjustments that could be huge for this system. Yeah. But I have a whole list of um, specific exercises for that, those three phases. Um, And I'm happy if you ever want one of your, one of your viewers or listeners to access it, you can always um, message me and I can make sure that they get it. Hey guys, that's awesome. Huh? Okay. I might ask you for a link to that and then include that in the podcast notes. I'm sure that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, There are all those ways that I I've told you, but like vibration to the gut Um, you can do obviously yoga, Tai Chi. These are general things, but moving your body, your spine, um, the ice pack, the gargling water. 
I forgot Dude. about the ice pack to like build up nervous system. Uh-huh. Uh, so um, tell me about that. Yeah, that's, that's the dive reflex. So the same part on our face as if we were diving in the water, when it's touched with cold, it will automatically lower our heart rate because our body thinks we're about to go in the ocean and it needs to preserve oxygen. So I like to use an ice pack and put it right over the eyes. Um, and especially if you're like having a really burnt out moment or anxious feeling, it really helps break the moment and reset. It's really great for kids too, if they're having a tantrum or an outburst to get them to calm down quicker. That is just um, genius. And the, like, the craziest yeah. thing, like I just love that stuff. Yep. I know there's so many, like I said, it's, it's almost like the body is an instrument. And if we know how to play it, we know how to also calm it down. And and this is why I love working with kids because they're so, they do these things naturally, like the gra- pushing on the eyeballs when they're upset, the screaming and yelling, those are actually all reflexes to mm-hmm. self-regulate. That's why when we yell or even just venting or singing or using our deep throat muscles, we feel better after. Oh, the humming. So, I forgot about the humming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so these are all general things that we just do naturally to self-regulate. We just don't know maybe why we're doing the thing. Um, but that's the list that I have is kind of those general things that everyone can do for free. Just kind of knowing that like, oh, I didn't know that my body had this little instrument that I could tune and, you know, use to my discretion when I need it. It is so cool. It is so awesome that you are teaching people about this because it's just like, yeah, I don't know why we don't learn this when we're, you know, in elementary school even, but at least I'm learning it now. And I'm excited Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, we can share it with a lot of people. Yeah. And like I said, this stuff is still getting researched. That's the craziest part is that we're just catching up to understanding, I think, how all these things are connected. And I'm grateful to be a part of the, you know, change into the functional way of looking at things. But I know this is only the beginning. Like we are, I think we're just scratching the surface on just how much all of this is connected. I hope so. I do. Like I came out of this whole two year experience feeling like, man, we are in the stone ages as far as, you know, Mm -hmm. what we really understand about our own bodies. Um, But things like this get me excited. Yes, seriously, I agree with you. And I'm happy to be a part of it. What um, what are some of the scary or triggering things that you find when you're trying to help somebody unpack their different layers that, that can be blockers for them? I don't know about scary necessarily, but I definitely have plenty of times where I recognize that something needs to be referred out to someone that might be better to integrate certain elements of those sections. Like if Mm -hmm. we're, if we're still sticking with the burnout theme, if we're talking about, you know, the top of the pyramid with relationships and meaning of life and that type of deeper ways we feel safe, that's where Mm -hmm. I, I will say that's something that I don't do, but I just recognize that that is a piece of this. And if you, know that that's the thing that you want to explore, then we need to help find the right person that can help you explore that. Um, Especially when, you know, I've worked a lot with like people with some really hard experiences, you know, veterans and people with major, major traumatic injuries to their body physically that has, you know, completely destroyed their life and function. So there's a lot of that side of it, the emotional side that I refer out for that I would say I don't I don't specifically do that, but I see that and how big that is and how much we need that connection and have someone to talk to about those things because that's like the top of the pyramid. Is that a, a referral to a therapist or is there some other specialist you consider? Yeah, most of the time, a therapist, um, depending on what type of therapy they most resonate with, there's different, you know, whether it's like a specific trauma, then we can refer to a certain therapist, or whether it's more complex and general childhood stuff, there's different types of therapies. Um, Sometimes it's more just like limbic retraining. So it depends on the person and what really is going to be most 
helpful for them. And I always go off of what they tell me, you know, I'm not the one that dictates it. They kind of tell me what they resonate with and then we help find that. So if someone was just beginning this journey and they're trying to figure out what kind of therapist should I go to? It seems like there are a bajillion. I don't even know what keywords to search for. Like what are the top three Mm -hmm. different kinds of therapy practices that you think are productive? Yeah, me personally, I love somatic therapy, um, which is more like gestalt where you kind of close your eyes and get in tune. And then the, the therapist will ask you questions like, where do you feel that? And so it's more you you kind of seeing what comes up that day mm-hmm. versus it being like, here's my story. Tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of talk, talk therapy. Um, that's what I personally like. I think it really depends on the person and if you resonate with them and that's just the art of relationships, I think. Yeah. And yeah, but I would say if I were to pick, first of all, it depends on where you're at because if it's like, you know, sometimes you do, you do just want to that talk therapy and you want to talk through what just happened. Um, But I always say I prefer going in the body. If you can find someone that can go in the body and help you talk to the body, you, from my experience, get so much faster answers Mm -hmm. um, when you go straight to the source. I have never done somatic therapy. Now I'm going to check that out. I was always doing cognitive Mm -hmm. behavioral, um, usually somebody who also added like EMDR to that. Yeah. Somatic is kind of similar to... um, it de- totally depends on the person, like I said, because there's different ways of doing it. But they, you're, you kind of get into like a meditative state, and you're closing your eyes, and and then they ask you what's coming up for you, versus you know having a conversation and it being from the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really, really loved it. So, Carla, for anybody that wants to learn more about functional neurology or functional medicine or functional tips and tricks that they can start working on themselves, where would you point them? Books, podcasts, movies, television shows, YouTube, whatever. Yeah, man, so many. Um, I would say for the neurology side, Andrew Huberman, of course, is great. Any of these conversations about the biohacking tools, even though they're generalizing, it's still great conversation I think that people are even talking about oh there's this there's a tool that I can use on myself um so that's why I say Andrew Huberman is a great resource for that side of things um the functional medicine side there IFM um is IFM.com is where um a lot of functional medicine providers are trained and they have a doctor locator on their website a chiropractic neurologist can be found at acnb.org um, there's a doctor locator. And as far as other like educational, Stephen Porch has, I mean, honestly, if you just YouTube him, he has great interviews. Um, if you want to do more of like the Joe Dispenza mindset meditation, he's a great resource. Um, he's got a, got a lot of good podcasts as well. And I have a friend who has, a company called Neurosomatic Intelligence. They have a podcast called Trauma Rewired. They talk about all this same stuff too. So those are some good, yeah. And of course, our website is aliveandwellaustin.com and I'm happy to reach out if anyone wants that that handout or if you're in Austin and actually want to come see me, I would be happy to meet you. Yeah, you beat me to my last question. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, do you only do in person? What if, can people have on online appointments with you? What do you guys offer? Yeah, I can do virtual consults. Um, it, if you ever wanted physical care, it would be in Austin. Um, mm-hmm. I also am going to be doing an ADHD neurodiversity course that will be virtual. So it'll be where I provide self-assessments for you to assess your own reflexes and your own um, motor dominance and see if there's anything that might be causing a disbalance that you could work on. Um, hey, I don't have awesome. a specific, yeah. I don't have a specific date for that. It will be in the summer, but even if you reach out to me, um, we can put you on the list to make sure. So I am going to be working on more 
things like that. What we're, we're going to be doing more webinars and things, but we're just um, pretty busy at the moment, but we're going to, it's on the list of things to do. just haven't <laughs> actually put it on the calendar yet. Very cool. Okay. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes for everyone. Um, Carla, gosh, I was, I just feel so lucky that I found you. I'm so lucky you and your team are here in Austin. You guys changed my life literally. And I hope that, um, you know, you inspire a bunch of people listening to go find out more about what they can do for themselves to feel better. Cause I just think this whole functional medicine thing, just love it. Love what you're doing for people. Yay. That makes me so happy. Thank you, Jennifer. It warms my heart that you had such a strong improvement from more of the functional aspect. It makes, this is why I do it. Huge. Just huge. Okay, guys, that wraps it up for today. Um, Check out the show notes, reach out to Carla. Um, I hope you're all feeling well. Sleep when you get tired, eat when you're hungry. I'll see you next time.